you're making me think of a whole bunch of things we could talk about but one in particular that jumps out at me I was reading an article the other day and it said your voice to your kids becomes their inner voice as adults and I just thought oh that's brilliant because now every time I use words out loud with my kids that's going to become their inner voice and you won't necessarily know that that's happening or see it happening but it just becomes part of who they are so talk about how powerful words are and that really brought it home to me Welcome to the Real Life Parents, Real Life Answers podcast with Sean and Jasmine Turner and sponsored by ParentEQ.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Life Parents, Real Life Answers. I am Jasmine and I am so glad to have you here today. This week we have an amazing episode that Sean did with a mom of two named Mira, and Mira is actually from Australia, so it's fun to be able to listen to her perspective on parenting and see Sean coach her through a few things that she's working through as a mom. She's a fairly new mom. She has a three-year-old and then a six-year-old stepson, so she's kind of at the beginning stages of parenting, And one thing that really stood out to me here was how Sean walked her through the idea of claiming her own style of parenting and defining her own style of parenting. There's some other tips that she actually gives, just observations that are complete aha moments for me. And I know that they are going to be aha moments for you, so I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. Before we get into it, I just want to make sure that you know We are so appreciative when you rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe also on Spotify, and that will put us in front of more people. In addition, we are always looking for more parents to come on and basically get live parent coaching, right? And you can email us at realliveparentspodcast at gmail.com if you are interested in coming on. We also want to remind you that we are on Instagram, so if you want to keep up with what we're doing throughout the week and just see some fun posts that we have, little reminders, you know, we need those sometimes, right? Those are going to be on our Instagram account, which is at Real Life Parents Podcast. One last thing I do want to let you know, and I think I added this in the last episode, but if you are on the Clubhouse app, We would love for you to join us in some rooms. I am actually on more rooms than Sean is at this point, but there are some amazing rooms that are support for moms where you can come and chat and just get validation and get good tips and ideas on parenting. It's an amazing space for that. If you need an invite and you do have an iPhone, please reach out to me. I actually have some invites available. Again, it's the Clubhouse app. If you haven't heard about it, I highly recommend you checking it out. Just go find out what it is and you will see it is a great resource for parents. So without any further ado, let's head into this episode with Mira and Sean. All right, welcome Mira to uh, the podcast today and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Sean. Thanks so much for having me on. So um, my name is Mary Jensen. I've just turned 40 um, and loving that I'm entering that phase in my life. Uh, And I've got two beautiful children. So I've got um, Miss Three uh, and Master Six, who's my stepson. 
um, and uh, my husband and our beautiful little family of four. And um, yeah, keen to, to have a chat to you today. Wow, that's awesome. Isn't 40 great? Yeah, love it. It's funny, you know, I, I kind of had this picture of what I thought my life would look like at 30. And when I hit 30, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of mm-hmm. there. And then uh, same with 40. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of there. And I think you, you know, you set that destination for your future life, but you really you have to stop in the moment and go, actually, I'm living, you know, what I thought I, I, I wanted to be. Okay. Yeah. Let's focus in on the parent parenting style. Maybe it's the style, like what's worked for you? What hasn't? What have you morphed into according to like what you wanted to be or not wanted to be? It's so funny that, you know, that was the thing that you honed in on first because I um, found like very few moments this morning to to do a little bit of pre-work or a bit of pre-thinking. And that was exactly where I landed was in this kind of analytical um, space on on parenting. And the thing is like I... I probably in my life as a parent don't consciously be analytical, but I'm sure mm-hmm. it's there as an undercurrent in everything that I do. But um, the thing that I was reflecting on this morning was I remember, um, and I don't know whether it was a quote or something, but I heard years and years ago before I became a parent that um, people either, um, you know, want a parent exactly like their parents did because they think their parents were brilliant or they go the complete opposite because they, you know, didn't at all um, like what their parents did. And I reckon I'm a bit of a blend of both, but I, I also think, you know, there's pros and cons of both Mm -hmm. of those approaches because, you know, if you loved what your parents did 20 or 30 years ago, um, the world's changed so Mm -hmm. much. So doing the same thing that they did 20 or 30 years ago is just not going to work in, you know, the modern world that we live in now but then equally if you go the opposite extreme to what your parents did uh you know how do you know what's right how do you know what's going to work you know and so the um the question that you put to me in terms of you know that analytical strength or (laughs) or curse it's probably a bit of both yeah um yeah um you know how i parent and i think that's where i get totally caught up in you know, how do you, how do you know what's going to be best? I know, you know, there is no roadmap for parenting and, you know, you can read all the books in the world, but, um, you know, you really got to find what's right for you. And I think, um, and I'm sure this will resonate with many uh, mums in particular, you know, the books that you get for pregnancy and Mm -hmm. the first 12 months and stuff, and you just read it and you go, no, that's just not how I want to do it. And you get so caught up in, oh, someone's telling me that I should be doing it this way. And then, you know, look, there was things that I did um, with my daughter as a baby that I just go, why didn't I right. just, you know, do what I knew was right? Because I was so desperately trying to, you know, do the right routine and it just clearly was not working for her. And um, so I think, you know, we read a lot in, you know, that preparation stage, particularly, you know, if you're a first time mum and, and then you throw it all right. out. And then, so you're kind of flying blind, you know, through toddler years and, and onwards. And I know that there'll be people listening that, you know, found a method or a book right. or whatever that really worked for them and they stuck to it. And, right. you know, that's great. I'm yeah. so glad you found that. Um, <laughs> um, but I suppose I'm in this phase of going, well, I haven't found that one particular you know approach that has guided me and i'm flying blind (laughs) do you know you know that the thing that just popped into my head here's what i think why people struggle to find their that thing out there do you know why i think that is because we're creators and so when we look at all the different things we see them for their value 
but it doesn't necessarily resonate because we kind of think in a way, and I put myself into this situation because I look at Mm. all 50 different types of parent, whether, whether it's teaching or being a therapist or, or being a father, whatever it is, I see there's so many resources out there, but I never really just grab onto one. And I think it's because we might be at that stage where we're like, oh, maybe I need to tap into what I know and have and then create my own. Mm. And I, mm. and I, mm. I actually think that's probably where you're at too. You're a creator. Mm. You create things. Now mm. that doesn't mean you don't um, consume. Hmm. But uh, so I'm I'm going to challenge you on creating a, your own uh, Mira parenting style mm-hmm. within the next uh, uh, within the next little while, and we'll uh, copyright it and then push it out to the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, no pressure. I think, I think I'm um, I think I'm definitely in that space, um, but it's isn't it at a very nervy place to be? Right. You know what I love so much um, about you talking about being a creator and you know your circumstance with eight kids like you've got a grown-up now so you've got a finished product right Right, so you know whatever you tried 18 years ago (laughs) you know what worked and what yeah that that created oh man I kind of go well you know I've got you know a couple of shots of this (laughs) and whatever I do now I've got no idea how that's going to play out in 20 years (laughs) oh you're so right because you're absolutely right our oldest will turn 22 in March so I've been a parent for 22 years, and then I look at my five-year-old. Just the other day, I was talking to him, and I had this little kind of vision because our our oldest lives in our basement while he's going to college. I do have him pay rent. For all mm-hmm. those parents out there who are doing it, make your children pay rent. It's a good, it's a good responsibility thing, and it gets you some extra cash. Luckily, he's not a big eater, so we don't have to like buy tons and tons of food. So we're actually saving there. <laughs> but I found my so he's around, you know, and I just remember, wow, 22 years, you know, and and I remember talking to my five year old and doing and saying some of the same things that I remember doing as a very first parent, you know, 20 some years ago and going, OK, does this work? Does he need something different? Something that also came to mind was, I call it the 2030 principle. We'll just call it that. It just kind of came to me about a couple months ago. The 2030 rule or principle. And it's this. We live right now, it's the year 2021. But the little kids right now, we're technically preparing them Mm -hmm. for the year 2030. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... And the way society and technology and all that stuff is going, mm-hmm. in reality, we mm-hmm. have no clue what it's going to be like in the year 2030. 100%. <laughs> like I know my daughter won't learn to drive a car. She just won't. There'll be driverless cars. We've already right. got that technology, you know, like our new car parks itself. Like it's already happening, you know, it keeps you in the lane. Imagine it's, not having uh, to worry know. about that. Imagine not having to worry about yeah. double parking, finding parking. I'm not having, imagine where then that energy will then be put to something else. Mm. And as a parent, you know, we've developed so many skills around learning that and building confidence mm-hmm. and making right choices around those decisions. Uh, and that's just not something we'll be teaching them. And they'll have their own different set of things that right. they need to, to navigate right. that we won't have guided them through. It's yeah. kind of like times tables. Remember growing mm-hmm. up and doing your times tables and all the... Don't they do them anymore? Well, here's here's what I think is... I'm glad they don't do them anymore because because I know the idea, right? You're going to learn your time tables. I get that. 
But then also it is just learning them for the learning sake. I always, always kind of like that's pushups for your mind. It's mental. Mm -hmm. But then I'm thinking there are other things though, that can also stimulate and do pushups for the mind than just times tables. Because I mean, I know, and I'll get a lot of flack from traditionalists, but in reality, do we, do we need to memorize our times tables when we have them? And I, I get this is, this is kind of a, a metaphor. Yes, it is. It would be good to know our times tables, but in reality, we have a computer we carry around all the time with us on our phone. Mm -hmm. So imagine mm -hmm. taking that energy and using it to some, for something else that might be a little mm -hmm. bit more, not just efficient, mm -hmm. but a little bit better. I don't know. So I have the same thought about handwriting. Oh, handwriting. So, <laughs> so that just goes whole next level. You know, we're teaching kids to handwrite and I'm not at all saying that mm -hmm. we shouldn't, but I often think about it because I can't handwrite anymore. Mm -hmm. Like if I pick up a pen, it is so like the muscles don't work. So <laughs> I've been using the paperless office for, for 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. You're right. I've always got a device in front of me and can type and, and do everything that I need to do. Very rarely do I pick up a pen anymore. Right. And, uh, you know, it's never to write a full page um, of handwriting. So we're, we're kind of teaching that skill. But I often think, well, is that something that they're going to use? Is there another way that we um, could be developing, you know, those pathways in the brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Do you know stuff. what I do now? Because there's a lot of uh, connection, like emotional connection to nostalgia. Yeah, absolutely. We use we, everything is typing on a computer or even like just voice memos. So what I'll do mm -hmm. every now and again, I'll go get one of these bad boys, you know, a, a number mm -hmm. two wood pencil and I'll write with it. Oh. It's so mm. fun. And it brings mm. back all the memories of like elementary school during the 80s, mm. right? Where you have your, your pencils. Mm -hmm. Anyways, mm -hmm. that's kind of a fun thing. But imagine though our kids now, you know, picking up an iPhone version 8. Mm. Their nostalgia is going to, in mm. in the year 2030 is, oh, I, re I remember swiping, you know, or whatever you do with the, the, the phones nowadays, that's going to be there. So it's just this whole perspective mm -hmm. shift and definitely with parenting. I saw, yeah, I saw the funniest video of some kids trying to turn on a 1990s <laughs> um, computer and, you know, they were teenagers now right. and it was fascinating, you know, like they kind of, they found the big button and they went, oh, I guess that's how you turn it on. So they press right. it and like just watching their experience with that. But equally, I'm... Um, you know, in my corporate work, I'm finding that there's this huge shift now and I'm a change manager, so I help people adapt right. to change. So this is probably why this is a conversation that's lighting me up, <laughs> um, you know, so, um, so I'm seeing that difference now in how we just expect people to, here's a new technology, mm -hmm. yep, just get on board and work it out. And of course, the young kids coming through, that's their norm. You know, mm -hmm. like they pick up a new device, a program, whatever, and their brains are wired to figure it out. That's fabulous. But, you know, you go to a sort of baby boomer generation and not at all wired that right. way. They're wired to be taught and shown and stepped through. And, yeah, so when you think about that in parenting terms, I mean, I, I can't wait. Um, for my kids to be showing me all the new technologies. Right. <laughs> like I'm kind of looking forward to that going, oh, that feels like relief that they'll be across it and I won't have to. <laughs> um, but, um, but interesting, you know, that I'm 
equally happy to kind of give that power or control away, you know, fully recognising that it's just going to be a skill that I don't have. So what then mm. becomes the parenting role in that process? Wow. So that's interesting mm. that you said give that power away or mm. sharing that power because definitely parenting through the 80s, where I was the 80s and 90s, um, some of the things just don't quite fit, but the principles might still do. And so, um, you know, like, for example, I was I was understanding more now when kind of the developmental stages as I've seen my own kids grow through them. So we have twins. They're seven, seven years old. And I get to kind of see them because they're the same age. So two having having two the same age in the developmental stages, but then there's totally different personalities and mm. knowing that I can't react or even act to one like I can the other and then being intentional about it and then making sure that I'm because here's a big I'm a big component also of modeling. So if I don't know what to do, I'm trying to remind myself just saying, I'm not sure what to do here. Can you give me a second? Because mm. one of them, so one of the five, seven year olds, Gabe, he's a little impatient. He, he like wants to know something right now, right now, right now. Obviously, even teenagers do that. But, and so sometimes I'm a thinker and I want to think things through. I don't want to just react and then regret it later. So I often have to tell him, okay, give me a second to think about it. And he's great mm. with that. The first couple of times he was mm. a little impatient, but he was really great with just being open on what I was doing. It almost kind of gave him permission to, oh, you can take time to think about things rather than just oh, bounce totally around. i going to do that. Yeah. That's brilliant because Miss Three is definitely like that. Like the, I realized uh, a few weeks back that literally every thought that was forming in her mind was coming out in words. Mm -hmm. She just hit that point where she had the words for all the thoughts and every single one was coming out. And I'm like, why is this blowing my mind? I'm so exhausted because I've got my own brain to deal with 24 seven. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I've got a three-year-old brain that is, you know, totally at odds with what my brain was doing. <laughs> um, but as soon as I recognized that that was what she was doing, I was like, okay, okay, that's her brain. I don't need to be in her brain all the time. But, you know, that little trick that you've given me to kind of say, let me just think about that, yeah. um, you know, it will really help. Because the, the one that I've been using with her, um, you know, like that um, impatience, I'm, I'm trying to get her to say I'm trying to be patient so mm -hmm. that she can recognise that that's a moment that she needs to be patient. Not going all that well. She's three. But, right. you know, maybe we're... <laughs> You're laying spending. the foundation for, for yeah. right now. Which is absolutely true. Because I don't know. I mean, three-year-old, we have <clears throat> our kids, for whatever reason, it seems like most of them, they were, they're just talkers. So they talk things through as they think them. And I remember, you know, as parents, we just get over overloaded, overwhelmed. And it's kind of mm -hmm. like... So I would make a joke about it, but I was serious. I'm like, Ian, you've used up all of your words today. I need you to not say anything right now. <laughs> like you're done. You kind of use, and it's only like three o'clock. Yes, I only like yeah, three o'clock, no, and I'm like, that one too. and I, I don't even know what was going through his mind, but I was like, I'm gonna blow a gasket here because I, I love you, and I'm glad you're exploring. But in this moment, I can't get out of the car or I can't yeah, do whatever. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I need you to. 
Just because you think it, and here's another one too, just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it. So mm. allow yourself to think, because some people are verbal thinkers and they think, mm-hmm. I even do this out loud. I, I get caught sometimes because Jasmine will ask me a question and that she needs an answer to so that she can move to the next step. And I'll talk out loud, processing through what I think might be the best solution or different options. And in my mind, they are all just options. But in her mind, she hears like, okay, that's in stone. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because then later she'll come back and go, well, you said that's what you wanted me to do. And I'm like, no, no, no. That was me just like processing through. So I have to I have to tell her, I was like, let me just think out loud here for a second, process through. So none of this is set in stone. Don't put any of this, you know, in concrete. And then we have to, you know, work that. So there's a lot of kids, kids that'll do that. And it works well with adults too. So, so here's a mantra that I like to use is just because I think it doesn't mean it's true. That's a good one for adults. So when we think something, and this works most of the time for the negative thinking, right? That we get stuck in, like, I'm not good at this, or I'm not even some of the more emotional ones. I'm not worthy of love, of attention, of my, des- I don't deserve these things. So when we get into those patterns of thinking, sometimes the affirmation could be just because I think it doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean it's true. That's brilliant. You can kind of neutralize um, it a little. You're making me think of a whole bunch of things we could talk about. But um, one in particular that jumps out at me, I was reading an article the other day and it said your your voice to your kids becomes their inner voice as adults. Right. Right. Oh, that's brilliant. Let that sink in. Yeah, every time I use words out loud with my kids, that's going to become their inner voice. Mm -hmm. And you won't necessarily know that that's happening or Mm -hmm. see it happening, but it just becomes part of who they are. So, um, you know, like lots of people talk about how powerful words are and, um, you know, like that really brought it home to me. And all these things aren't to shame us into like, oh, no, I'm messing my kids up. They're cues to get us to shift because a Mm. lot of times we get unmotivated, discouraged because we don't, we get into a little funk or we see what we're doing wrong. But if we can set little cues to get us to just do a little shift, then, okay. So why is, and here kind of comes back to this little formula we've got, right? Of an understanding yourself, go back to that always. So, and this is hard to do. I, I, I do understand it. So if my child is blowing up at me or reacting in a way, I've got to be able to go, okay, what are they really wanting or thinking or feeling? And then I do need to say, okay, be a little bit reflective and go, where did they learn that? Could I have been part of that? Not in a shaming way, but as a cue to go, mm-hmm. let's both work on this. Let's both work on choosing something else. That is hard to do. That's kind of advanced level because it can get into, we have to get through the guilt and the shame of what we are doing. And we have to go, okay, we are in a moment and a mood in a, in a, a, a situation where we've got to move forward to change what we're doing because we don't want to create more chaos. 
it's, um, it's the brutality of parenting. Kind of. It's probably a bit harsh to yeah. say it that way. But, you know, like in, um, like makes me think about my, my, organizational clients and you know so often I call out and highlight to people where if someone's triggering them Mm -hmm. it's probably because they're quite similar you know that behavior that they're doing that's triggering them is something that they can see in themselves nobody ever likes you doing that you've got to be very careful (laughs) with the way that you do that but you know in principle that's what happens nine times out of ten but of course with kids like you have little mini me's Mm -hmm. so they're constantly playing yourself back to you like and I certainly know in our household like um, my son is 100% like a dad and my daughter is 100% like me. Like we both have mini me's, <laughs> um, which, you know, um, I feel for us as uh, a married couple that we've got to deal right. with two, two of each other. Two of each other. <laughs> oh no, it's a double whammy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting in the teen years. Right. That plays out. Um, but yeah, it is totally that, that opportunity, you know, as you say, to, to reflect on those similarities and both going through it together. Yeah. And, and mm. I bring that up because I really, really like this principle and I've got a couple of examples to kind of illustrate it, but the principle of modeling, because if you think about it, even teenagers, even young adults, children, teenagers, across that whole spectrum there, they're always, they are looking for the right way to do things or to think through things or to feel. And they're looking for a validation if what they're going through is correct. And so they're constantly observing and being aware, sometimes even subconsciously. So the idea here is whatever we're saying or doing will can have them can be manifested back into them. So take that now to the positive and be intentional with it. So I try to tell parents, don't be intentional of like always making your kids learn something where that will work and that's good for them. But if you are expressing how you are learning something or going through the process that automatically gives them permission to go, oh, wait a minute, we, I can do that as opposed to just take correction. I can step into it. Mm. So here's an example mm. that I, I like to use. When we were doing our, our private schools, the, uh, we found that when children were sitting next to an adult, that their work, their amount the quantity and quality of their work went up like a lot, two Mm -hmm. or three times, two or 300%. They did that much more work and the quality of the work went up as well. So just having an adult, but here's the, here's the problem though, as adults, when we're with kids, a lot of times we're focused on helping them and correcting them and guiding them, which they like, they want, and it does help. But it doesn't help as much as as going through the motions themselves. So I would get adults to come into the classroom and I would tell them, don't help other kids. You're not hired to be a TA or the teacher's assistant mm-hmm. or the student's tutor. Now you can help them with little questions here and there, but I want you to sit down amongst them and I want you to have your own workbook and you work on your own stuff. And they would look at me funny and I would say, well, I'll get somebody else if you can't do this (laughs) because this is how serious it is. It's like, I'm not hiring you to be a tutor. Matter of fact, I'll Mm -hmm. fire you if you don't do Mm -hmm. the job description. And the job description is sit and learn. 
And once mm. they fig- and I had to do some training on that because they had forgotten mm. how to be a student, which I get that. Mm. I mean, my whole my whole first semester of my master's degree. When I went back to school at 35, 37 years old, and I had already been a teacher, my whole first semester was just critiquing the teacher on how they were teaching. I'd forgotten, <laughs> I'd forgotten how to be, be a student. And then I had, oh my gosh, I have assignments and I have to be a student here. So the point here is modeling what you want them to do. And what they did then went way up. So I'd have the, the mm. parents come in or other, um, other adults and have them come in and have them do their, their workbooks. And the kids, it gave them permission to do more quantity, more quality and quantity because they saw, um, they saw adults doing it. And it's the same thing at home. So sitting down, coloring your picture with your children, automatic. I mean, it's like clockwork. If if I if the kids are rowdy, they're running around. I've got boys, so they're running around, and it it can be very chaotic. So I can yell at them and say structure, you know, demand and commands and structure, and try to be and be quiet because that's what I want in that moment. Um, but are they capable of what I'm demanding from them? So one of the tricks and a lot of people, and I've learned this from somebody else, but is, okay, what can I, how do I get them to do a quiet task? I start doing this quiet task. Mm-hmm. So I sit down at mm-hmm. the table and I start coloring. All, I mean, it doesn't take, and this isn't rocket science either. I mean, it doesn't take but a couple minutes when they sit down or I'll go print off some coloring pages or whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. it might be automatically they now have permission because they see me doing it. And I've just found Mm. so much success with that modeling Mm. what I want them to do, not just shaming myself on the negative stuff. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. He's yelling and screaming Mm -hmm. because I was doing that. And that's where they learned it from, but also the positive (laughs) stuff too. Mm, I love that. Um, I love the learning, the process of learning. It's something I think about lots, but also there was a beautiful kind of confirmation in there for me. So thank you. You know, the coloring sheets, you, like I, I'm very, um, you know, done a lot of work on myself mm-hmm. <laughs> over those 40 years and very present aware in, yeah. in my own kind of being. And um, so sometimes I hear myself guilting or shaming myself as a parent because I'm more comfortable in my own space and I would just sit down and do the coloring myself and then you know there's always a part of you that goes oh well should I be doing should be showing or doing or Mm -hmm. you know like more in their space and um so it was really nice confirmation for me just keep role modeling the the intentional stuff that is about me and that they um you know learn and grow from that um, and I take it I take it even one step further and start being intentional about talking about 21st century things so Mm. you'd be surprised now I joined this field, I guess, you know, the therapy psychology world later in life as a second career. And, um, I'm, and it's, we're in 2021 and we've come a long way since just the nineties on understanding mental health, understanding just emotions. And we've, we've really have, we've come a long way, but I'm still really shocked at a lot of people don't understand some of the things about mental health or the emotion. So we do have a long way to go. So that being teaching your kids those types of things. So if us as parents, we get overwhelmed, 
talking it through with the kids. Okay, I'm really overwhelmed right now. Or remember yesterday when I got overwhelmed and frustrated and I did this and this. Now looking back on it, you know, talking them through the process of the thing that we all know is going to help them in 2030, which is understanding mm. their mental health and emotions way more mm-hmm. than any skill. You know, that this mm-hmm. idea of IQ and EQ, you know, intelligence and emotional intelligence or competence in the workplace, that can be taught. You know, you can teach somebody accounting. You can teach somebody a factory working momentum specific skills. You can teach somebody, but it's hard to teach like emotional regulation as adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. So learning that as children going through, the, and here's what I say, you know, with adults, it's like, well, I didn't learn that. Well, learn it now and learn it with your kids. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was a great episode. I I definitely know there was more content after that that was also really awesome. But we try to keep the, the podcast to like around 30 minutes when Sean does his parent coaching. A typical parent coaching session lasts about 60 to 90 minutes. So what you see on the podcast is just the tip of the iceberg. If you are interested in actually having a parent coaching session with Sean and myself, feel free to reach out. We have a website, pareneq.com, where you can book a session and we would love to meet with you. We do sessions via Zoom or long distance and we are located and have an office in Utah County in Utah so if you are in the area we can also do it in person we really enjoy working with parents and a lot of the times all you need is just one session to just have a shift that gives you the confidence to keep going and I highly recommend considering doing that in addition I just want to remind you to check us out on Instagram like I mentioned at the beginning And we are just so grateful for your support of this podcast and of what we do. We really believe in helping parents to see things through the lens of emotional intelligence. And we really believe in giving parents the tools that they need to do that, the big picture and just the practical tips. So we hope that you found some value in this episode today. I know that I did as I was listening to it and editing it. We look forward to seeing you again at the next episode. And until then... Here's to authentic and intentional parenting. We'll see you later. Last but not least, the advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional.